Well, my name is Ben, and I'm here to say, Iranian vampires, that's okay. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the old schoolest, hip hoppiest horror movie review podcast in this multiverse and the next. Why, of course, you're listening to Dead and Lovely, the absolute greatest source for all things horror, here with your host. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Benjamin. Oh, yeah, we're using the full names. <laughs> yeah, just going full length, right? <laughs> That's when you know the switch is coming out. What was your mom's beating tool, by the way? Let's find out about this. Fly swatter, classic, classic, and disgusting too. Because like I'm getting disappointed. Yeah, it's got and fly this guts has on fly it. guts yeah. on it. This is disgusting, <laughs> man. A good old fashioned wooden spoon was never too far Ooh, out of reach. Don't want that. I mean, it's it. You, you think it's short and little, so it's not gonna hurt, but they get a lot of oomph in there. Mm -hmm. But enough about my penis. Okay, thank you. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> and we are here today to be talking about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is apparently unconnected to the Home Alone universe. I, and We're I, disappointed. I just don't see how, honestly. I mean, what do you got? A lot of similarities, you got, yeah. uh, you got someone who isn't very big against mm -hmm. a criminal element. Yeah, I'm okay. just saying. Yeah. Similar. It's the same. It's and the same movie. Basically, yes, yeah, same movie. <laughs> I think this movie would be better though if, like, she did set an elaborate amount of like crazy improvised booby traps that led people into like falling onto her teeth at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like the movie's completely the same. Other than that, There's not enough Bugs Bunny style violence in vampire uh -uh. movies. <laughs> No, not even close. But before we get to the movie review, of course, we're going to chit-chat about what we've been catching up and watching this week. We're going to yeah. drink a code beer. We're going to mm -hmm. talk a little vampire history and true. stuff. If you're one of those lamos that doesn't want to hang out with us, if you think you're better than us, oh, I'm just way more handsome than these guys. I don't need to hang out with them or anything like that. Uh, you can skip on to the movie review. There's a timestamp in the podcast description. Get on. Use it get up. On. Be that get way. Get on out of here. Go on, Woo! get no nobody loves you. Nobody likes you here. Oh, <laughs> go on, Harry. We're the Henderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't remember all the Lithgow lines, but he said a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that he did. How you been doing this week, Steve? Everything good? Yeah, man. It's been a good week. Uh, you know, I just uh, just been chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and uh, I had. Had a little whiskey the other night as a sort of uh, celebration slash uh, moment of dread for the future. I know what you mean, man, because, you know, we recorded this just after the the U.S. presidential election. But I know that what you're referencing is the fact that Alex Trebek died yeah. and that, that Ken Jennings guy is probably going to replace him as the host. I'm, you know, I'm dreading it a little bit. And I've been saying this whole time, Canadians over Mormons any day. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like you can't argue with the math. It's <laughs> all can't. right there. You can't. Uh -uh. Can't argue uh, with the numbers. Yeah. I, I, I went and bought a, a bottle of Old Forester. Yeah. Uh-huh. And boy, that's some uh, nice, delicious, spicy bourbon. 
That is some nice ass stuff, man. I think what I've been sipping on this week the most is a a Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Have you ever oh, had this? Oh yes, I have. I like me some so basil. So I'm not Hayden. usually like a big Basil Hayden's fan because oh, okay. it's 80 proof and the finish is so quick. Like it's one of those yeah. ultra clean tasting bourbons yeah. where as mm-hmm. soon as you sip it and swallow, you don't really have any taste left over. Yeah. But I got the dark rye on a whim, which is like blended with port and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, damn. And it's pretty awesome. It's very okay. unique, man. It's got a very uh, interesting after-dinner wine sort of taste to it with the port in there, but it's still nice and spicy. Made a really nice old-fashioned for me there. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Very, very good, give that man. a try. And I know what you mean about the, the excitement slash, you know, potential dread going on with, uh, yeah. with the presidential election results. I mean, I think anybody that, anybody that listens to this show on the regular probably knows where we stand as far as just like, boy, am I excited to not have Trump as president? Of course I am. Sure I am. Sure, yeah. Um... Am I excited but, to know, have Biden as president? No, not really. No, 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 no. But you know what? It's better than Trump, at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of the people that like listen to the show and give a shit for getting political every now and then. Um, yeah. Well, you know, maybe this will be your turn now because we're also not going to give him a free pass for any dumb stuff that no. happens in the next four years. So no fucking way. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's exactly what uh, I was thinking was that people have only heard our politics when it was anti-Trump. I mean, that's true. Yeah, the show has just exists existed in uh, Trump's America. So yeah, I, I I've said before I was not an Obama fan. Uh, don't like drone strikes. Not a big fan of cozying up to corporate interests. No. Uh, not not expecting Biden's presidency to be much different. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're a Trump supporter who's pushed through this whole time, you'll at least get to hear every once in a while some fuck Biden. So, yeah, there you go. for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> because believe it or not, it's possible to be disappointed with the entire system as a whole. Yeah. Believe yeah, it you, or not. You don't have to pick a team. Honestly, no, you can you, you can hold your politicians accountable and vote for the ones that have your policies, the things you, you want, instead yeah. of just constantly voting for your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's the idea, man. That's the idea. So we'll see how it goes. I'm willing to give it a shot. Give it the old college yeah. try, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be the, the best you know, two years of, of our lives before Joe Budden dies. <laughs> of old age. <laughs> of what, like 700 years old in two years? Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure that's right. Pretty sure that's right, man. Well, Steve, you been watching anything good now that we're done with all this election nonsense? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been getting down with some good stuff, in fact. I, um, yeah? I've watched a, a few movies I've never seen, like, uh, uh, is it The Wolf of White... Hollow. That's it. Snow Hollow. Wolf of Snow Hollow. I keep mis- okay. mixing it up with the Wolf of Wall Street because <laughs> I think it's movie. a prequel. Um, <laughs> uh, the Wolf of, of, of Snow Hollow. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. That I think it was well written and well directed. I, I don't think the writer director should have cast himself as the lead. That's just what our buddy Brandon Suttle said. Yeah, he said the oh, same okay. thing. I, I think that like... His humor's good on on paper, but he can't convey it as well as maybe somebody else could have. So, uh, but it it definitely had its merits, and the uh, the creature design looks really cool. So, 
I, I think it's worth a watch if you're just like, I want to put something on and, you know, something that's not too complicated. It's just a werewolf movie. Okay. I was curious about it. I watched the trailer for it and I was like, it looks unique. I thought that just from the trailer that it looked like some of the acting was, was going to be kind of rough. That's probably from the guy that you're talking about, but it still did intrigue me enough that I'm like, okay, this is on my to watch list. So I'm sure that I'll check it out sometime soon. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all right. It's not something to rush out to. I, I, I did watch Possessor. Ooh, which people, people are been blowing about. up about this man my good buddy eric hill was just blowing me up last night being like dude stop what you're doing right now and watch this movie now this is from the son of the cronenberg yeah yeah it's brandon cronenberg uh if you haven't seen uh david cronenberg's existence i i could see somebody looking at Brandon Cronenberg's possessor and being like, where would he come up with such an idea from David Cronenberg's existence from his dad's movie. In fact, he even makes a reference to it by having Jennifer Jason Lee in the movie. He's developing oh. on an idea. His dad had, it's not, I'm not okay. saying this in a negative way. I'm not saying he's like just stealing from his dad. I'm saying like he saw his dad had a pretty good idea with maybe like not the greatest execution, and he updated it to a modern audience. Now, and hang I think, on here, Steve. Are you reviewing possess possession, or are you reviewing the New Testament as told by <laughs> Jesus? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. It's basically <laughs> the New Testament. His dad has some good ideas. The execution was a little rough. He's modernization. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for sure that uh, Possessor is probably Possessor. the the more... Um, I'd say it's the more solid film, though I love Existence. I've talked about it before. I, I think it's you know that movie's definitely worth watching. It was it was yeah. uh, ahead of its time, I think. But I think I think Possessors may be better and and has a better perspective than than Existence did. But either way, both of those are worth a watch for sure. And Possessor is brutal. It is oh, yeah? brutal. Yes. What about the uh, the effects and stuff in Possessor there? I've heard that the practical effects are insane. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, I watched the uncut. I don't, I mean, I heard that you, you have to watch the uncut, so I just watched so the I've uncut. Heard, yeah. so I, I don't know what's cut out, but the stuff that's in there is is really great and absolutely brutal stuff. Just Awesome. Very bloody movie. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited for that already. Yeah, so definitely go check that out. And then I also, I thought I'd seen this before, but I I hadn't. Uh, As Above, So Below. Oh, yeah, I talked about that a couple of years ago on the show. It's just like, it's pretty cool. It's an all right movie. It is. It is pretty cool. It's an all right movie. Basically, Indiana Jones it goes to hell. Like, yeah. Pretty cool. I liked that. I, I found it very entertaining. So I, I had a pretty good week of watching things. Ben, what you been watching on? Man, ain't nothing horror. I'll tell you that. I've really not watched anything horror other than the movie that we're talking about today. I've had a pretty pretty soft going easy week. I've just been being a big old cream puff marshmallow softy this week, all right? So I watched Little Miss Sunshine, which is one of my go-to always watchable movies. That's just like such a fucking great movie, man. I really, really enjoy that one a lot. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Oh, it's, I need to it's check it back still, out. Every bit as good as you remember, man. Really, really good. I also watched through the entire last season of Shit's Creek, which I've been talking about for the past couple months on the show. Kate and I finished it the other night, and dude, it's absolutely fantastic. It is a 
wonderful show with characters in it that like the first couple episodes you're like there's no way you know these these characters are going to grow on me and stuff but they have a way of really humanizing them and making them relatable in a lot of ways while still being ridiculous and hilarious it's it's really 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 fantastic and i think that it it ended so very well and now like, all the seasons are on netflix yeah. now because, like, they could have drug it out and done a 10 or 12 season run like they do with a lot of sitcoms, you know? Yeah, I got to check that because I've, I've watched the first episode and for some reason I haven't gotten back to it, but I thought it was funny and I've heard everybody loves it. So definitely I, I'm interested and everybody seems to have liked the finale, which mm-hmm. is something you don't get a lot with with shows. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out. If you don't like it, I think I would be very surprised, honestly. Okay. Like the first season I just thought was kind of okay. But then it's like after you kind of get into season two is when you really start getting to know the characters. It's not even like one of those deals where it's like, oh, they didn't develop the characters right away in the first season. Yeah. It's like, well, no, it's just I didn't really know them that well. They were pretty gotcha. well all developed entirely in the first season, but it just takes some time to get to know them and stuff. So really, really, really loved that. Very fantastic. Watched uh, the Borat sequel the other night. Yeah, on, uh, I, I watched Amazon. it, uh, I think, the day after it came out. And uh, I'm glad you finally got to it so we can talk about it. Yeah. What would you think? It is a ridiculous movie. It is yeah. very, very, very fucking silly. There was some stuff in there that was hysterical. Yeah. Um, with a movie like this, it's really going to be hard to duplicate the success and the hilarity of the original because when the original came out, I mean, how long was that? 10 something years ago? Yeah. 14 years ago, something like that? I can't remember. It's been a while. You know, it was just like so out of nowhere. It was this crazy hidden camera, you know, kind of candid camera sort of movie with all these skits and everything in there. Nobody had really ever seen anything like that before. At least I hadn't in theaters. It was so over the top. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's hard to recreate that, especially when the character of Borat can't even be out in public because people know him now. He's Borat, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think the way that they framed this movie together to deal with that was very good in terms of him having to be in different disguises and him having his his daughter with him and stuff. And she's kind of like the lead in a lot of the hidden camera stuff, really. Yeah. I thought that they worked around it very nicely and also tied it in with the pandemic and everything else very well too. Yeah, I I really I, man, when he walked into the the uh what is it called? Fuck. Uh that that cotillion thing oh, and they yeah, end yeah. up doing that dance. Ball. Oh my god. There was yeah. some really hilarious stuff and I think my favorite yes. part in there was whenever he he went to like the pregnancy crisis clinic and he's like i put the baby in her uh, you take <laughs> the baby out the cupcake. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking amazing man but yeah it was it was really really good totally totally worth a watch i enjoyed it a lot mm-hmm. and then i think the only other thing that i watched this week is last night uh for my documunday pick where we watch a documentary every monday uh i chose to watch a thing that was on hbo called the extreme it's really really a clumsy long title extremely long title Truth and Lies, Jonestown, Paradise Lost. It's like three people got to name it, and they just chose them all. (laughs) Okay. And what did you find out? What Truth and Lies did you find out? Honestly, nothing. Um, Oh, okay. It was okay. It was one of those things that was kind of like on the level of like a 90s ABC documentary, you know, late night kind of thing, or Dateline kind of thing, I guess. 
it was uh it was good it was a lot of stuff that i already knew but it had a ton of footage that i hadn't seen before and it had like interviews with jim jones jr and all kinds of crazy shit a bunch of survivors you know that made it off of the island or left before they went Mm -hmm. i said off the island fucking guiana's (laughs) not an island right but you know what i mean that that made it out of jonestown alive or left the church before they went to jonestown and stuff Really fascinating. I'm just endlessly fascinated by by Jonestown and and cults and stuff like that. I think it's really cool. So I'll watch anything about it. I would love to find out that like the central lie they were exposing was it wasn't actually Flavor Aid. It was Savor Aid, which is like an off brand of Flavor Aid. (laughs) Like he he somehow (laughs) saved even more money on killing everybody. (laughs) He was really really frugal. That guy, just a cheap guy. Don't know what he was gonna do with the money. I think my favorite part of watching it, though, is the fact that uh, we watched it pretty late at night, and Kate was really tired. We both had a really long day, so she fell asleep on the couch about 30 minutes away from the end of it, and like after Jonestown was over, I just put on, like, I was, I was working some recording and stuff, so I was just like, I'll put on Hellraiser 2 while I edit these drum tracks uh, okay. or whatever, so I had Hellraiser 2 on, and uh, at one point, she she woke up on the couch and like put her head up and looked at the screen and she has like no memory of this. This is totally just one of those like in your sleep kind of moments. But she woke <laughs> up and looked at the screen and she goes, Jonestown was really fucked up. <laughs> and then goes back to sleep. It was some scene where somebody was getting like ripped apart by hooks or something. <laughs> it's like, wow, Jonestown was bad. <laughs> that is, that's a lot rougher than I heard. <laughs> Come to Jonestown. We have such sights to show you. Oh, no. Dude, they did have a, a fucking boxing ring in Jonestown. They didn't talk about that really? on the documentary, but. In Jonestown, they had a boxing ring that they would use for public uh, punishment. Basically, like, if somebody misbehaved or, like, you know, taught shit or whatever, they'd put, like, a 70-year-old person that told a lie or whatever in a boxing ring with, like, a young, healthy 20-year-old and make them fight 10 rounds. Jesus. Yeah, in Jonestown. They did this. Holy hell. Cults are crazy, man. Cults are crazy. I'm not moving there now. I thought it yeah. sounded like a good place. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> Cancel my trip. I'm out. <laughs> hey, you know what? Cancel all of Jonestown. They're out of yeah. here. Yeah. Hashtag cancel Jonestown. <laughs> you heard it here first. We might be like 30-something years late. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Man, Steve, I'll tell you what, dude. All of this chatting we've been doing. Chitter chat. There's something about it that's got my mouth so mm. dry is yours dry yeah. yeah yeah it's an arid desert for sure Ooh, man i got tumbleweeds falling out of my face what do you think we ought to do about this i think we should probably just snap into a slim gym see what happens oh oh yeah yeah <laughs> can you oh, imagine yeah. can you imagine with a dry mouth trying to eat a slim gym it greased it up <laughs> real good terrible. i think that's I true the last time i had a slim gym long long ago let's drink a beer and think about it Okay, <laughs> what are we going to drink on? We got this uh, Fourth Tap Kung Fu Robot. Kung and, uh, Fu Robot. It's a robot that does Kung Fu. Now, I, I don't know much about this other than it's an IPA. Yep, it says so. on the label it's like balanced as far as like the, the, the hoppiness, the bitterness, the sweetness. Everything's kind of right there in the middle according mm-hmm. to their gauges, so we'll find out about it. But you know what? Honestly, just like going into this with the expectation of, oh, it's just a regular IPA. 
it doesn't taste like fucking Lucky Charms or a key lime pie or something. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll tell you this. Just just took a drink of it. It tastes like an IPA. Mm. <laughs> it's like a... Let's find out. It's just a nice, oh. bold IPA yeah. flavor. Pretty simple. Well, that's good as hell. I'll tell you that, man. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking that regular is the new exotic. <laughs> It's the most uh, yeah, regular, that's extreme the se- regular. Uh, that's going to be the sequel documentary to Joe Exotic, Jim Regular. Yeah. <laughs> I like this I'm a Jim lot. I'm Jim Regular. I don't own a single tiger. I just got house cats. It's fine. <laughs> it's normal. They're smaller than tigers and easier to care for. I do not do meth. Mm. I'm uninterested in drugs entirely. This is going to be a boring documentary. It's me, Jim Regular. This is pretty good. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. very okay with this. I'm I'm yeah, very on board with like this. Like a second a second drink of it, I was like, this is like something you like with a burger. Like you know, you oh, don't yeah. want to have like an overpowering beer with a burger. You want it mm. to just kind of slosh that food down, and this mm-hmm, doesn't. That's right. This could give you a good beverage for a food meal. <laughs> good beverage for food meal. Put that a on meal the can of food. <laughs> a food meal IPA. It's what we're drinking right here. I enjoy it, man. It's good. It's yeah, like, what else do you want, that, man? It's it's hoppy. It's a little bitter. It's a little sweet. It's mm-hmm. got al- alcohol in there. I'm all right with I all like that I like that. Yeah, that's the good part. I like all of them things. Well, yeah. Steve, now that we're here fixing our dusty mouth situation, mm-hmm. I think before we get into the movie review, I would yeah. like just to simmer down here and go soak in the frothy, steaming hot tub that is the Preview Palace for a minute. Welcome to the Preview Palace! Ooh, you got that draconian accent, do you? It's me, Dracula! Transylvania! Oh, I'll tell you what, that is another thing that I did watch this week. For some reason, like, every night that I've been up late, whether that be editing video or editing music, because i got a bunch of music projects and stuff right now, I've just had Bram Stoker's Dracula on in the background, like, solid, almost every night this week. Almost every night, I've just had it on. Yeah, good choice. It's just the choice that you make that makes sense. It was just like, yeah. well, this makes sense right now to do this, so yeah. I'm not even going to fight it. Sometimes I do those very irrational things where it's like, well, let's watch this for the fifth time. Feels right. <laughs> just do it. Get deep, deep into that mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, Ben, since you're talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula, that book is considered you know, the first major vampire novel mm-hmm, that's right many. that's right mm-hmm. so i wanted to introduce you to some of the firsts ben regarding vampires because this what? this movie right here a girl walks home alone at night first farsi language vampire movie and the first middle eastern set vampire movie that is bizarre because you're talking about a movie that was made in what 2015 16 yeah 2014 mm-hmm it's been that long, and we haven't had that yet. Yeah, and that's, that, crazy. that's particularly interesting because the Persians were one of the first civilizations believed to have tales of blood-drinking monsters. Nuh-uh. Yeah. So say. It's very interesting that it took them that long to be like, yeah, let's make a movie about it. Huh. <laughs> that's really interesting. So it we're going to kick yeah. this list of vampire first off with first time we saw a vampire's butthole in a movie steve take it away <laughs> first vampire butthole in a movie of course was 
Uh, Vampirella XXX. I want to suck your butt, I think I was want the, to uh, suck your butt. Yeah, the secondary was the, title of that. That was the logline, yeah. Butt-sucking <laughs> vampires. Butt-sucking vampires. Um, <laughs> so I, I've actually I've put together a list of firsts here, Ben. Okay. It's a pretty solid list. I'm going to tell you right now, the majority of these firsts precede Bram Stoker's Dracula novel. What? Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. What? Yeah. So... When you think about Bram Stoker's Dracula, I remember hearing this as a kid on a show. Uh, it was one of those, like, you know, uh, shows that treated mythological creatures like they were serious. Uh, <laughs> and they they <laughs> talked about vampires. And I remember them being like, Bram Stoker organized a bunch of, like, loose tales he had heard from peasants and things. And that's not even close to true. Let's oh. talk about, let's talk about some firsts with vampires in Europe. The Steve, are you telling me, like, is the next thing you're going to tell me here that Elvis didn't invent rock and roll and rhythm and blues? Come on. <laughs> There's got to be limits actually, here. Not even close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this all starts in 1718, Ben, when Austria... Old school. Yeah, way back in the day, when Austria gained control of northern Serbia and Altinia, which is part of modern-day Romania. So... Whoa. They reports started coming out from Austrian officials between 1725 and 1732 of local practices of exhuming bodies and killing vampires. Oh, shit. So these are the first reports, widespread reports throughout Europe of what would be what would be known as vampires. They use the word vampire because before that. Uh, things like Revenants existed and Draugr and all sorts of other like different creatures that we would associate with vampires. Okay. But this 1725, beginning with the report about Pieter Blagojevich, who at the age of 62 died and then supposedly came back to life and then came to his son's house asking for food. His son refused and then his son died the next day and then eight more villagers were found dead later on and they had been exsanguinated oh my god their blood was gone yeah so this is the first widespread report of a vampire and it actually started wow. a it actually started a vampire hysteria across the majority of europe that even made it to america so Damn. yeah people were uh worried about the possibility of vampires way back in 1718 but then we got people who were like oh vampires let's write some uh, fiction about them that's that's fun right enter stephanie so, myers enter stephanie meyer in 1748 here she comes <laughs> <laughs> hold on she coming <laughs> so the first intentionally fictitious portrayal of a vampire came in 1748 now i say intentionally fictitious because there are books uh before this that are uh like religious texts that are treating vampires as though they're a serious thing uh so those are fictitious too but this is intentionally fictitious it's called dear vampire uh written by heinrich <laughs> ossenfelder the germans with their super creative titles uh -huh. what are you gonna well, call the it thing, the vampire it was, it was creative back then because it was a word people had just started saying 
It would all be right, like naming right. it your novel Yeet. Like, well, I guess that's already <laughs> old. Yeah, whatever. Uh, anyway, so we're hip. Th- this was a basically the there was a spurned lover. It's a pretty short poem. A spurned lover who is vaguely anti-Christian threatens a pious maiden that he will drink her blood and lead her away from religion. Look out. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty well ingrained in the vampire. That that idea of them being both anti-Christian and out for blood, right? Heathens. So 50-ish years later, we get the first mention of vampires in English literature and I know I've talked about John Polidori's The Vampire before, but he was not the first person to mention vampires in English literature. It was, in fact, Robert Southey in his epic poem, Thalaba the Destroyer. But it really wasn't about vampires. So it just mentions them, along hmm. with all sorts of other creatures and shit. Wow. But it, it was, in fact, John Polidori, who, as we talked about, uh, I think, when we did the Scare Me episode... Uh, you know, on a on a uh, summer vacation at Lake Geneva with with Shelley, uh, Mary Shelley, and Lord Byron, and mm, they yeah. they had this storytelling contest. It was a particularly dark win or a particularly dark summer. It was actually it's called the year without a summer because we had a, a little ice age for a period. It was very strange. Anyway, similar uh, to the year without a Santa Claus, very similar, very similar, but less sad. Because the year without a Santa Claus. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so John Polidori wrote The Vampire, which is about an aristocratic type of vampire, very charming, etc. Interesting, though, Ben, the first American vampire and first black vampire. Uh oh, what? Both came out that same exact year, 1819. Holy moly, what? Yeah. Uh, a book called The Black Vampire, A Legend of St. Domingo, which was uh, written by a guy named Richard, Richard Varick Day. Uh, okay. it, it was written in 1819 as a response to Polidori's The Vampire, so a few months later. It is interesting for not only being the first American vampire and having the first black vampire, but also perhaps the first American story to advocate for the emancipation of slaves. Whoa, this thing was so, real progressive. Yeah, so vampires have been a part of uh, a part of political uh, ideologies from the beginning. Like this idea hmm. of this uh, anti uh, anti religious character, this um, this uh, high society character who's in fact preying upon the high society, and then of course this slave character who is using powers uh, that the white man doesn't have so like it's all about subverting certain things from the beginning that's bold so then it all makes sense that the first lesbian vampire would come out later in the 19th century sheridan la Fanu's, uh carmilla which was a serialized thing that came out from seven, 1871 to 1872 has a a, a lesbian vampire what in the 1800s? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, people. People have a How very strange misconception that uh, that morality is uh, progressing. 
we're actually regressing. We, we're starting to become more and more of this like pearl clutching, overly moral society, even though we're becoming more accepting on one side, the other side is becoming more and more repressed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, w- this, yeah, this period, that type of thing would have been, you know, body. It would have been a, a type of thing that definitely would have been titillating, but that's why it was popular. Yeah, it totally. because it was titillating. Yeah. Uh, Some reading the, material for the boudoir. I, I skipped over Varney the <laughs> vampire, which is... Uh, Varney is the strangest name for a vampire ever. Uh, it, it is a ve- <laughs> Varney the vampire is very important in understanding that Dracula wasn't the first. Uh, but it's also not great. Uh, but it did introduce the idea of fangs to the vampire. So first oh. fanged vampire and the first vampire with hypnotic powers. Ooh, that could, like, glamour you and shit, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I just think that Varney the Vampire sounds like the earnest movie that we never got to get. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest gets bitten by Dracula. Yeah. I want that. Yeah, I want yeah, that. Yeah, me too. So, this one is a bit of a mind blower, Ben. Okay. As I said, all the things that I've set up to this point have been before Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula. Jeez, man. Like, I really did think that that was kind of the originator, the OG that was kind of the wellspring of material. Yeah, it's kind of how it's presented, but, I mean, it makes sense because it sold so extremely well. Like, it was the big one. Like, there were big ones before it, but nothing as big as it. So it makes sense that it gets a lot of the credit. I would say this is really similar to how Chick-fil-A didn't invent the chicken, but the chicken <laughs> sandwich they can claim. It's very it's similar true. to this. They also didn't invent hating gay people. <laughs> That's nothing they new. They didn't invent it. They didn't invent no. it. But they did invent the hating gay people sandwich. But, but they did put a lot of money into it. Yeah. Chicken sandwiches, vampires. This one is pretty wild. The first vampire in film, Ben... The House of the Devil, directed by Georges Millet, 1896, a year before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, this is- In my head, Bram Stoker's Dracula was so much before, like, the film era in my head. I don't know why. I, uh, I would say that a lot of it has to do with the fact that most people haven't read the novel. The novel uses advanced tech. I mean, it uses, like- yeah. Uh, the way it's portrayed in film, it, they always cut that. They cut any concept of advanced tech being used. Like a blood transfusion was advanced tech, sure. and they do it throughout the novel. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think it's because the way it's portrayed. Like, you look at the 1932 Dracula. It's like a stage play. It doesn't, you know, it, it's. <laughs> It gives you the sense that you're in this, like, ancient time rather than just, you know, 1932, 40 years after the novel, basically. Hmm. <laughs> it's wow. It's ridiculous. That's yeah, crazy. People, people, I don't know, though, like, media t- kind of reinvents the way we see history. And that can be a very negative thing, especially during the time of the Hollywood production code. Yeah. I, I did have a couple more. These are after... Uh, oh, uh, oh, the, the the House of the Devil, though. That is debatable. Oh, yeah. It's okay. debatable because... Okay, so there, there are two camps on this. Because vampires 
pre the word vampire vampires were demons that sucked blood and like it was all the same stuff it just didn't have the word vampire applied to it sure yeah it didn't have the branding it's all about branding these days yeah (laughs) so in the house of the devil when it, it is a devil character but it the devil character changes into a bat so like there there's like vampire characteristics applied to the devil which are like traditionally that that works but it's also not associated with the vampire lore that we normally know so it's it's a little debatable so the actual like first vampire uh like definitive first vampire was in fact a female vampire Huh. Uh, in the movie The Vampire by Robert Vignola, which came out in 1913. Wow. So vampires have always been on like fringe, on the fringe and like dealing with cultural topics on the forefront. And even as we said, with Bram Stoker's Dracula, dealing with tech on the forefront and stuff. And we've kind of like reined them back and made them these like Victorian characters. Yeah. With widow's peaks that go avant and all that blue, stuff. Blue, 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 yeah. So <laughs> they've they've changed a lot since uh, Blam Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing about this that I think is is one of those deals that as science and technology advances and as we are able to, you know, extend our life expectancy longer than it ever has been in history, and that's only getting started. I mean, one day we're going to find the oldness gene and clip it out and be functionally immortal or take DNA from jellyfish or whatever and be able to continue living way beyond our usual life expectation. I think it's interesting to see the way that culturally we have evolved vampires from being these creatures that would you know kill your village and destroy your livestock and suck their blood so they could continue living or whatever and like nowadays everything is getting a lot more i think existential in a lot of ways that makes you go like wouldn't it be sad and pointless to be immortal you know just to watch everything that you know and everyone you love that isn't a vampire die like we're getting a lot more sad vampires now uh, I think it's interesting to see the, how that role has kind of changed through history a little bit. It, it's kind of baked in there, but yeah, it has become more of like, uh, yeah, the looking at how sad it would be to not be able to maintain regular relationships and, and watching everyone in your life die as you continue to stay the same age. And yeah, that is that is really our focus now. Yeah. It and this I mean this movie this movie has some of that for sure. I I mean I think it's dealing with I think it's dealing less with those existential questions than others though. I think this is more presenting a vampire as anti-hero than uh trying to really understand the vampire's loneliness. I mean it gives us her. Yeah. She is lonely as hell. Like she sh- she's shown as that and she is like taken on this like vigilante role but yeah when she does get some sort of connection yeah she she takes it immediately which is you know indicating to us just how lonely she was and how excited she is to have any sort of connection in her life yeah this isn't for example, what's it called? Last Lovers Left Alive, like Jim Jarmusch movie? Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. That's like the se- oh you haven't? No. 
Oh shit, we should totally do that. It's a really interesting flick. I recall thinking it was like kind of dull, but I did like it okay. Mm, okay. But it's like very much the saddest vampire movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's some very emo vamps in that thing. I don't think that they explore fully enough in any vampire story, though, how the saddest part about a vampire's existence would be no eating food with garlic. Come on. It's the flavor of food. I think that they do explore that a little bit in this movie because she doesn't get to eat that sweet plum or the hamburger. And she seems a little bit disappointed by it. I mean, I know I would be. If I never got to taste the flavor of garlic again, I'd be a sad, sad Uncle Ben. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it. like, what it, you know, what, what, what food do you eat without adding garlic to it? I guess like desserts, nah. right? Nah, even those, even, even those. those. Okay, yeah, just like a, like a chocolate cake with some garlic. That sounds mm-hmm. great. I wake sounds up in the morning, terrible. I have a bowl of Cheerios. I get the, uh, I, I get the, the old garlic press out there. Just crush yeah. a clove into my Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Gets my day started just right. Put some uh, in my coffee. <laughs> Come on. Talk about like a candle smell that Yankee Candle has not captured yet. (laughs) They probably think it would be gross. Like, who would want to smell onions? Everybody. Yeah, fucking everybody. Do you like food? (laughs) I want a pho candle, dude. I just want pho. (laughs) That would be awesome. And gasoline. I want the smell of gasoline in a candle. (laughs) Yeah, mixed together. Yeah, makes sense. That would really unnerve a lot of people, I think, if they were <laughs> yeah. like, they smell gasoline and they you have a lit candle on the table. <laughs> I think I need to leave here. This seems <laughs> very unsafe. You know what, Steve? What's that? It's the Thanksgiving season, and around this time of year, mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. single year, I just get the urge to shine up the old giblets, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about cleaning up my downstairs. You know, before we know it, the Christmas season is going to be upon us, and I'll tell you what. I just can't wait to unwrap my package. Thankfully for us, there's all kinds of Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals from Manscaped. (gasps) It's a holiday miracle. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh my lord, we're bringing technology to the sack. Ben, I know you you are a manscaper yourself. I, I am as well. Uh, And Ben, I have had in the past some atrocious occurrences while using a trimmer on my downstairs area. In fact, I've had some bloody experiences. Oh, Lord of mercy. Nobody wants no part of that. No, no, you don't. And I know some of you out there thinking it's a it's a crazy old time. I don't even get out ever. Why do I need to manscape? Let me tell you this. When you look good, you feel good. Mm. And when your boys look good, boy, do they feel good. I'll tell you that. You're doggone right. You're doggone right, Steve. Just because you're in quarantine don't mean you don't need to be clean, y'all. But Steve, let me let you in on a little secret here, because I know we got a lot of listeners on the show here that are saying, but Ben, but Steve, I ain't got no balls of my own. I don't need this manscaping. Let me tell you what, ladies. This can be for you, too, because I'm going to tell you what. You can get this thing and take advantage of using that up before somebody creates Womanscaped and starts charging you three times as much for the same stuff. Y'all know how this works. Listen to me, dead and lovelies. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. What's in there? You get the lawnmower 3.0. 
for lawn mowing your nards area. It's skin safe. I used it. No tugs, no nicks. I enjoyed it. You can even create a little less mess by using that thing in the shower or getting one of those magic mat disposable shaving mats they got. Catch all that hair as it drops. And let's not forget about the crop preserver. Anti-chafing ball deodorant? Do what? And moisturizer. This is amazing. You're putting deodorant on your armpits. Get some deodorant for your balls. What else are you going to get in that perfect package 3.0? Some anti-chafing performance boxer briefs. I don't know how they've done it. It's time to get this perfect package 3.0. Get clean like Mean Jeans bald head. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DEAD20. That's D-E-A-D-2-0 at manscaped.com. So this holiday season, be sure to trim the tree and trim up your balls with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And so will the people that love your balls. So let's talk about this girl that walks home alone at night and what she's all about. What's her big idea? What's she going to go do now? Is she going to get a job, drive a car, vote, walk home alone by herself at night? What are these <laughs> ladies thinking of these days? What's the deal with these Iranian vampires? <laughs> <laughs> so this this is, as I said, the first Farsi language and first Middle Eastern set vampire movie. It's directed by cool. Anna Lily Amarpour. Uh, she's directed a few other things. Uh, definitely got a cliffhanger reboot that uh, she announced recently. That's I think supposed to come out maybe twenty twenty two. Not wait, not positive of the movie it. cliffhanger like yeah. with Stallone. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. I I don't know Why? where it's gonna go. What? What a I'm plot interested. twist this is. I know. I'm interested. Anyway, so what the fuck? She she uh, was born in England and then uh, grew up in America. Grew up in in uh, California, and uh, she just grew up making movies. Her dad got a, a camcorder when she was like twelve, and she would make she would do recreations of commercials. Uh, this That's is a cool. pretty common thing I've heard from a lot of creative people who end up making movies is like, as kids, they would just recreate stuff they saw on TV. So I get like, it, man. I mean, it's like yeah. my start with art and stuff like that was just like redrawing yep. pictures I saw in comics and shit like that. It was like the first step of innovate is imitate. Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, that's kind of how she, she got started. And then she made uh, a short for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and then did an Indiegogo campaign that got like 56000 I'm not sure what the entire final budget was. I'm sure family and friends probably helped out along the way but it's it's very low budget uh ended up making uh, you know less than a million at box office but that wasn't really the point the point was getting it on a streaming service and it's it's obviously succeeded in that yeah it's got a huge kind of underground following now yeah. i know a lot of people mm-hmm. that really 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 dig this movie i put out a post earlier today on my instagriddle asking people what they thought of this flick and it's pretty much exclusively like Nine out of ten people being like, this movie's fucking awesome. And then yeah. maybe one person that's like, I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's It's got a name for it. And it's it's one that, you know, I, I saw a long time ago and was like, yeah, okay, great. And I get uh, it, yeah. watching it back to just sort of review it, I was thinking, you know, maybe you'll see some, some real flaws with it because it's so low budget. And that is not the case. <laughs> Rewatching it, I was like, okay, this is solid no Uh, kidding yeah it never feels like a cheap movie like that's one of the things about this that i think is really impressive because especially in the world of 
of horror, which whether this is horror or not, we'll kind of get into. I think this movie is like a big mishmash of a lot of influences, but mm-hmm. you know, a, a horror movie that just feels cheap, where you're like, oh, they didn't have any money when they made this, sometimes can be very charming, and other times can just really take you out of it and make it not fun at all to yeah. watch. Yeah, This movie kind of sidesteps all of that stuff, where it's like you're watching it and you never really once think about what did this cost to make? Right. It just kind of is its own thing. I think sometimes black and white really aids that. This entire movie yes, is it this does. beautiful, high contrast, black and white. Yeah. And I think sometimes just that instantly makes something so stylized that you can kind of get away with stuff. We sort of talked about that when we were talking about um, Tetsuo the Iron Man a couple right. weeks ago during the intro of the show where it's like... Yeah. In if that color, were in that color, color it would look like shit. ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd probably look really stupid, but the fact that, similar to this, it's in this very high contrast, black and white, kind of hides a yeah. lot of the budgetary restraints that they had. So, I don't know if that was like a a budgetary choice to do it black and white, or if it was a stylistic choice. Do you know anything about why they did this movie that way it, instead of in color? It was a stylistic choice, but it, uh, I mean, I imagine there were budgetary concerns that... that made it uh, the better choice for sure they she was going for a uh, Nosferatu type of feel and also like a a graphic novel type of feel specifically black and white graphic novels that you know so she was going like a Sin City yeah exactly like Sin City so she was you know she even named the city Bad City it's very similar to Sin City yeah yeah uh she she was going for that particular aesthetic, and of course it plays into the low budget. But uh, it, you know, I, I can't see this in color. I I mean, not that it would necessarily look bad in color. It just I think it has to be in black and white because it it is really dealing with specifically moral areas and what is what is good, what is bad, what's morally gray, like. That's and true. Our two main characters, uh, Aresh and the the girl, is the all girl. She's yeah, yeah. Our two main characters are they are not good, good, but mm. they're not bad. They're good people in bad situation. Yeah, and yeah. That seems to be the way. It seems like that's a pretty yeah. rough kind of area that they're in, where it's just like, well, these are the choices they made because that's kind of the only choices they had. Yeah. So they're, they're shown as as, as our uh, protagonists, and they're anti-heroes, like, for sure. I mean, you, you look at Aresh, he, he just starts out as this kid who worked hard for his car, and then by the middle of the, the thing, he's a drug dealer. Uh, but we're still rooting for him. Like, he's still he's still our guy. We're not mad yeah. at him. Because Saeed, the, the first drug dealer, he's an asshole. We're mad at yeah. him for being an asshole, not for dealing drugs. <laughs> and the shitty tattoos. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, the tattoo that says "pimp" in um, uh, this is in Farsi, in Farsi. So yeah, it's dealing a lot in moral gray areas, and so the choice for black and white helps you know to deal with that. It helps to give us the sharp contrasts and the the grays and the you know and and helps to lead us down that path, whereas color wouldn't do that. Uh, how like life this is. Mm-hmm. We are calling it. <laughs> Black and white, but of course, what is the most prevalent color on the screen? It is gray. It is not black and white. This is a gray movie. How like life this is. This makes me want to drive to Montreal. 
I need a ship of champagne. I don't know what accent that was. That was really <laughs> oh, I need apart. a ship of champagne, don't, <laughs> I, don't I? Know, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, I think it works really well for this movie too because it totally has that kind of film noir vibe in a lot of ways yeah. where it is this just like very existential, lonesome character study kind of movie about a couple of crazy kids mixed up in the world. This movie needs some Jimmy Stewart in it. It sure does. <laughs> it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny if like uh Hussein, his dad, talked like Jimmy Stewart. Yes. But in, in Farsi. <laughs> but in Farsi. Yeah. yeah. I'd be on board with that right there. Be okay. Yeah, so uh you know, we got our other characters. We have, as I said, Saeed the pimp, who is a bad guy. We got Hussein, who is a drug addict who it doesn't seem terrible. He just seems to be a drug addict until he injects Ati, who is a sex worker, who uh, is probably the most uh, sympathetic character of all of them. Yeah. She seems like she has a rough life. Yeah. She seems like she has a rough life. She only, she, she is not uh, trying to do anything bad to anyone. Whereas everyone else uh, does bad things, she never does anything bad. And it seems hmm, like... That's true. Yeah, she's kind of the only one that doesn't make some kind of shady, weird choice. Huh? Right. It hmm. seems like the girl, uh, primarily throughout, is protecting her. She yeah. attacks people who do bad things to Ati. Hmm. So I, I think that she's probably the purest character in Bad City. Everyone else is uh, on a different scale of, of the gray scale. Like Everyone else is much closer to uh, evil than good, probably. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Bad City, uh, of course, is a is a fictional place. Yeah. Uh, Does it ever which say is that apparently this is supposed California. to be in Iran? Okay, <laughs> it is see, supposed, no, it's supposed to be in Iran, but it's okay. shot in California. Right, because like, I was really unsure a lot of times watching this. I'm like, is this in Iran? Is this modern times? Like, when and where is oh, this movie? Yeah. I, I'm not well, exactly I mean, there's, sure. There's a cell phone, so we know it's somewhat modern times. Yeah, uh, but then like our main hunk in here like, dresses like a greaser and drives like a does, 1950s car. car. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I think uh, I think some of that is her um, uh, Amapur's like base in american movies she's uh, when she first moved to america that that was like the way she connected with american culture was through movies and i, I think he is like he's like a james dean type of character we're supposed Very to much, yeah. yeah we're supposed to see him as like this sympathetic character who's you know he's rough around the edges but he's also very sweet good guy uh but yeah i think I think so much of it is stylized that it is hard to get a idea of time and place for sure. Which I think is really cool. Like I'm very yeah, okay too. with that because ultimately when you're dealing with a story about a vampire, right? Timeless. Timelessness is yeah. kind of all that there is. It's like, yeah. well, what what era is it? It doesn't matter if you're immortal, right? So, uh, so yeah, I think I that think kind it, of ties in nicely to the whole kind of feel of the flick. Yeah, and she she specifically chose everything. Basically, like she 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 wanted the characters to look very specific ways. So th it's very much her vision on a budget. 
So yeah, she apparently planned everything to like down to the wire, where it's like yeah. even during this scene, this is the song that's going to be played. Like, right. She was very very specific in yeah. the making of this entire movie. So anytime that there's something going on, it is very much a deliberate move on her yeah. part in the way that she wrote this, which I think is really cool. Yeah, me too. And and you know, seeing the final product and seeing like, I mean, honestly, like there. You know, there are some things maybe I'd change or whatever, but predominantly it's just like, no, nah, this is this is an obviously like very competent, good work that somebody uh, really slaved over and made their own and made it uh, made it something that people would talk about five years later, ten years Let's later. Let's give them something to talk about. Yeah, a little Iranian vampire to figure <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> the original lyrics <laughs> yeah i think i think the cast does a lot for that i mean other than you know her vision really coming through there's a cast here of really solid actors and you may not immediately recognize them but uh these people are in a lot of stuff sheila vand who plays the girl was in argo she's oh also- okay she was also in XX, which we covered a couple of years ago, the birthday party segment, which was where That's that woman right. gave birth to a full grown demon. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, she's also in the Snowpiercer TV show. Uh, she's in The Rental, which is um, Dave Franco's horror movie that came out earlier this year. She's in a good bit of stuff. Wow. Uh, also, uh, the guy who plays Hussein, Marshall Maresh, he's uh, in True Lies. He was in The Big no Lebowski, shit. Pirates of Dude. the Caribbean, At World's End. He's Holy got like a hundred credits. The guy's in so much shit. Dude, like I thought that he looked familiar, but I was mm-hmm. like, it can't be. I don't know anything this guy's been in. I guess I know like a lot of things yep. he's been in. Yeah, he just doesn't normally play a heroin addict. <laughs> that's probably why he looked a little bit different. <laughs> oh, um, who does anyway? Yeah, that's a good point. Saeed, Dominic Reigns, he's in uh, Winter Soldier. He was in uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's in Chicago Whoa. Med. The guy, yeah, he's the guy's in tons of stuff. But again, like big budget shit. Right. And it, again, doesn't have a huge tattoo on the side of his head. So maybe a little less recognizable. And then uh, <laughs> Ati Mojan Marno, she's in House of Cards, Blacklist, and most important, Ben. Uh oh. She is a voice of two characters in Skyrim. Mirabelle Irvine, we all know her, Master Wizard of the College of, of Winter course, Yeah, I mean, geez, who right? doesn't? Am I uh-huh. right? I mean, huh. <laughs> yeah, and obviously. the Daedra associated with rot, decay, and cannibalism, Namira. My favorite one right? in that game. Who plays that <laughs> game and doesn't love that one? <laughs> Am I right, gamers? You should really play Skyrim. <laughs> Man, I had to bust somebody this week, by the way, that started a competitive gaming account I saw page that. on Facebook with my name and photo and stuff. Yeah, I saw that. The, but it was just Beneller, like no space. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Beneller. <laughs> Maybe his name was actually Beanler. He's like, I will call myself <laughs> Beanler. It's me, Beanler. Again, don't know what accent that was. It was just an yeah. alien accent. <laughs> yeah, I am from other planets. <laughs> and I am called being a lure. <laughs> you know, the thing about this casting in this movie is too, is it is like a hundred percent Iranian Persian actors and actresses, which mm-hmm. is very uncommon. Right. Yeah. Nobody out in this movie that, that isn't 
of that descent, which I'm going to say is an extremely positive thing because if I was a an actor or actress of Middle Eastern descent in the States looking for work, I would get so fucking mad and discouraged if all that I ever got cast as was bad guy, terrorist, yeah. henchman. Like, that's the majority of what you see in American or movies. Or Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. The other Those option is doctor, yeah. Because the majority of the time in American cinema, that's the roles that they get, mm-hmm. and that's got to fucking get old. Absolutely. So something like this comes along, you could see why you'd want to be a part of it. You get uh, to be a unique, interesting character uh, telling, you know, a story that, I mean, you know, this isn't heavily associated with Iranian culture. I mean... That was going to be a question I have. Is this an Iranian movie, per but, se? Well, that's the thing, is I think that that would be the interest in being an actor, is getting to show Iranian characters as just human beings, rather yeah. than as caricatures of uh, Islam. Yeah, because that's the thing. I feel like the majority of the time in American cinema and TV and stuff, whenever we do have people that are Middle Eastern in flicks and stuff... Their Middle Easternness seems to define them, and that's yeah. kind of all there is to it. And all yep. that all that it is is fucking, yeah, prayer rugs mm-hmm. and um, yeah, their garments and stuff like this. That's all that we really get out yeah. of it. And you forget that, like, oh yeah, there's there's Iranian teenagers that have parties and flirt with boys and girls right. and do all the same shit and that do we drugs do. And yeah, yeah, They're- exactly. There, the one instance where I think they come close to like insinuating something close to like the rules of an islamic country is when he talks about how it would be inappropriate for her to be alone with him in the room but he's really only doing that to steal earrings like he doesn't actually think it's inappropriate he's just doing it to steal those earrings yeah sure so like like it, it really does show in the same light that you see like you know a a a movie set in the south Every everybody in it might be Baptist, but we don't have to talk about that. Sure, it's not like the feature of the movie. It's just something that is a part of the culture. But there's a whole lot more to it, and that that's what this is. This is showing like there there's a whole lot more to Iranian culture than religion and dealing with sure. constantly dealing with these rules and things. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing that they they show us that. Um, you know, the fact that it's in a horror movie too, I think makes it even more unique to kind of explore that level mm-hmm. of, you know, let's really probe yeah. into this society and see what it's like and see if it's really so much different than what you guys live with here, you know, on this side of the country or on the side of the, the planet. I mean, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, and, and, you know, uh, you were talking about this when we were talking before we recorded how mm-hmm. the, you know, the fact that it shows it's filmed in California but it shows all the same things that you would see in the Middle East is just this reminder that there's not, it's not another world. Like, yeah, that's something that I really got out of it. And I mean, it is interesting in that, like you said, the director is not, you know, from Iran or anything like that. But right. her family obviously, is. But, yeah. yeah, but it's like obviously the decision to make this a movie that is in Farsi and entirely cast by... Um, actors and actresses that are Iranian, it's like, it makes it a choice to show you that this is a little bit of a slice of that culture. Even if Mm -hmm. it is coming to her, you know, secondhand 
right. from her family and her parents and her community that she grew up in and stuff like that. Even though she grew up knowing Iranian culture in America, it is still showing us what she knows and exposing us to things that we don't know about. I mean, right. I'm, I'll just mm. you know straight out say I'm ignorant as fuck about Iranian culture. Yeah, I don't really same. know much anything about it. So yeah. anything stupid as hell that I say, <laughs> go on the Facebook yeah. or Instagram and correct me because I need to know. I just don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I don't know much at all. I do know... I don't that. know much, <laughs> but I know I love you. Um, <laughs> I I do know though that like what we see in the movies are a lot of the same shots we get in the opening, like the the shots of say like the 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 oil wells and all that yeah. stuff. Like those are the things you see when we're being shown the Middle East, but that is also Southern California and Central yeah, exactly. California. Like yeah, you drive around the Southwest and you're gonna see stuff. Yeah. That looks like the Middle East. I mean, like yeah. Bakersfield, California is the biggest population of Iranians outside of Iran. Yeah. And there's things like dry, arid climates and deserts mm-hmm. and, you know, like you said, oil wells and all kinds of stuff like this. It's like, how different are we exactly? And I even think that the choice to name the movie A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is meant to show us the fact that that is an unsettling sentence. In either language, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in either hemisphere of the world. It's like, if you say that about somebody in America, in California, or whatever, you say a girl walks home alone at night, it's like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Right. If you say that same thing about somebody in the Middle East, which we have our own ideas about and stuff like this, it's like, oh, something bad's going to happen. It's like, it's a universal kind of truth. It doesn't really matter where you are in the world. And I think this movie, a lot of times, is showing us that things are more similar than you think. It's like, even though we think about um, like you said, that that side of the world is being very dominated by religion and stuff like this. They have huge drug problems, same as we do Absolutely. here. Absolutely, yeah. Opiates are bad for people, and they're yep. everywhere. <laughs> they really are. They are. It's almost like invading Afghanistan had something to do with getting control of uh, the legal heroin operation. Oh, the poppy fields the and stuff yeah. out there. I don't know. I don't know if that would benefit know. Big Farmer or anything like that. That's unlikely. Why would we do that? I'm not really sure about that. I don't think there's any money to be made there or no, anything. No, no. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think like you're I right, said, I think it's meant to show us that, though, that these cultures mm-hmm. that I think that a lot of Americans think of as being so drastically different yeah. aren't really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, as someone who lived uh, for two years in Russia, aside from the fact that conservatives think it's probably some sort of conservative uh, uh, utopia, which it isn't, um, it, it is a place that people think of as scary, and I'll tell you, uh, from living in Russia two years and living in L.A. two years, I've been equally scared on the streets of Knoxville late at night. It's <laughs> you, you're yeah. ju- you're not any less safe unless unless you know you are in an active war zone. You're not any less safe in another country. So, I, so I we're just here to right. tell you. Everything sucks everywhere. Everything sucks everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) But also shows us, too, that there are, you know, in spite of, again, what we think of as being a a religious stronghold in the foundation of their society, that doesn't mean that there's not, let's say, transgender people. Right. Yeah, we get rockabilly. Well, the thing is, in Iran, he he would not be able to do that out in the open. That's... I mean that is a truth. Oh yeah. Bad bad city is 
is not a real representation of of Iran. Right. But you could say that there it are you know, drag still queens a representation in Iran. Yeah. that the the urges are universal that yep. the yeah. the interest in that the yeah. The only the it, only difference is that he wouldn't be able to openly do it. But there are yeah. definitely drag queens in Iran. It's yeah, just totally. that they have to be they have to be very quiet about it. But I, it's everywhere, yeah. It's everywhere. There's no yeah, and I think that's exactly the point. Is it's it's saying like you these human feelings are universal. That's they don't what I'm change to say. culturally. They don't change religiously. It's just how you have to deal with your culture and your religion as a human. So, yeah. I and yeah, you're right. Like a girl walks home alone at night. That's scary everywhere. And then it's awesome that it's also subverted pretty immediately. Like we get the first girl we see walking alone uh, is Ati, and we see Saeed treat her like shit, um, sticking his finger in her mouth and shit. Yeah. Uh, then the girl basically reverses everything she stalks him follows him into his place he sticks his finger in her mouth she bites it off which like, is awesome yeah and that is the moment where we see that the title is is ironic it's not like the girl isn't actually unsafe she's in fact the she's the predator yeah she walks yeah. home alone at night because it's safe for her to do it. Yeah, that well, she way. doesn't have to worry about anything. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love that. That's uh, it was because I didn't know what to expect the first time I watched it. Uh, whenever like he sticks his finger in her mouth, I was like, oh, like because I knew it was a vampire movie. I was like, you know, what is where is this going to go? Is he a vampire? And like, but then yeah, it turns out it's her, and she's the scary one. Uh, but then we like almost immediately after that get her just like dancing in her apartment by herself so like it's just this we're reintroduced to her in a real interesting way like we find out that she's this scary monster thing but also she's lonely yeah and you buy into it pretty quickly like i i never as you said like calling it a horror film is hard because like yeah it has a vampire in it but it's not meant to be scary i don't think like yeah her, it's not her necessarily being, that much of a horror movie right yeah it's much more of a western much more of a uh quirky rom-com almost like far less of a of a horror movie it does have a very sort of uh downbeat ending but also i can see some hope in it i would say like you know i the basic ending is that uh the girl ends up killing hussein who is arash's dad but arash we find out like early in the movie the dad says uh, something like you'd be better off if i just died and arash doesn't say no yeah and then later he figures out that she killed Hussein. He gets out of the car, has a little moment, and then seems fine with it. Like he seems yeah. to accept it. Like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't mind that she killed my junkie dad because he was holding me back. Like, again, as I said, these are our protagonists, but they're gray area characters. They're not ultimately great. Mm -hmm. He doesn't yeah, care that's, that's that his junkie dad died. <laughs> 
Exactly. And and that's the thing that's interesting too is like, you know, his dad had been dealing with heroin addiction, which of mm-hmm. course is a massively life stealing substance, and then he yep. was killed by another life stealing entity. Right. And I'm sure at the end of the day he was just kinda like, Well, mm-hmm. something was gonna get him. Yeah. What difference yeah, does it does. make? <laughs> yeah, it does seem like he just kinda is like, Well, okay. And I love her, and I really don't mind. He's he was kind of holding me down, and she got rid of it. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a cool little like uh, conclusion to come to that basically like all of these things are are kind of vampiric. Like the fact that the Saeed is a pimp. A pimp is essentially a money vampire. Like mm, okay, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of these like vampiric things going on the way everything else is sucking life out of them in Bad City. Hmm. Yeah. That leaving it is a is a way of regaining life. I also saw the ending though as kind of a almost prequel to Let the Right One In. Like it now had a very Let the Right yeah. One In vibe to me, yeah. Yeah. Now what is his life like with a vampire? Like basically he brings her victims, I would assume, right? <laughs> like it's I would guess, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, it's a real conflicted ending. I mean the whole movie's conflicted and that goes into as I said, it it is like a uh I mean she uh Amirpour says that it's like a, a psychedelic vampire western is what she was going for. And I hmm. see the western to it. Because okay. westerns are- explain to me about the western thing, because I didn't okay. really I didn't really get how a lot of people were drawing that comparison, but I'm by no means any kind of expert on Westerns. That's so. what I was going to say. I, I remember what the, when we covered Bone Tomahawk, you said you weren't big on Westerns. And that mm-hmm. this is something that I think people who aren't big on Westerns uh, don't know about Westerns, is that Westerns aren't uh, the good guy saves the day and the bad guy gets his comeuppance, mostly. They're predominantly very gray areas about former outlaws who've tried to turn their life around who now have okay. to get involved in these dark situations with drugs and prostitution being heavy uh, huh. uh hitters throughout yeah. the western genre because well, when you put it that way this kind of sounds like a western yeah exactly so like the she basically plays a a a, a black hat uh old cowboy who comes into town and uh cleans up a little bit like she she's the she's the anti-hero good guy who's uh killed a few in the past and maybe doesn't kill only bad people but mostly kills bad people <laughs> hmm. and then at the end gets to leave town with lover in tow yeah and and, and you know they're leaving with uh, uh some stolen goods as well like they're they're high telling it out of town. Bounty. Yeah. yeah, they're they are uh they're basically uh they've killed all these other criminals, but they are criminals themselves, which is I mean, very much in the Western genre that uh your protagonists don't usually end up being good people until you start looking at Westerns in the nineteen forties and fifties where they were really just going for uh White people killing other people dressed in brown face. <laughs> like, <laughs> not the best message. Yeah, not much of a message at all, except I'm a, I'm a man and I'm taking this land. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you another thing here about this movie. 
uh, because one of our favorite things whenever we cover you know vampire films, as we have for years and years and years now, we typically right. do No Vampire, where we talk uh-huh. vampire flicks and stuff in the month of November. Uh, we always love talking about the vampire rules that everybody yeah. puts in their flicks, because these vary mm-hmm. greatly from you know yeah, they do. movie to yeah. movie, from lore to lore. And this movie is, I think, pretty light on spelling out exactly mm-hmm. what the rules of this vampire are. It seems like she has the quick stealthy movement where it's like uh-huh. I just turned around now you're right behind me again and that kind of thing she can move very quickly and deftly she has fangs that are retractable, retractable obviously mm-hmm. we never see her in the daytime but we never see her skin to get like you know burnt or anything like that right um, she has a repulsion to food she can't eat mm-hmm. no food can't eat food what yeah, else we I, got going on here that I'm I missing? think that's basically all we get of her vampirism. I mean, we, we they don't ever use the word vampire. Dracula is said in yeah. jest because uh, he's dressed as Dracula. But yeah, they don't say the word vampire. And there, yeah, there's no like no aversion to silver, garlic, crosses, any religious iconography or any of that sort. It, it really is pretty basic. Just the fangs. Uh, can't eat human food. Uh, seems to have to eat daily. Seems, but I don't know. I, like I don't know how long of a period of time this is because he does go from, you know, a kid wanting his car back to drug dealer. But he he still has that cast on. So I'm assuming it's within like a pretty short period of time. And we see her kill like five people. I think within that time. So. Mm-hmm. She has to eat pretty regularly. But, yeah, there's no other real rules applied, I don't think. So, yeah. n- no flying. I didn't see that. Though mm-hmm. maybe that's how she moves so stealthily. We didn't we, see but again, her transform it go into, into any other animals, but it no? does seem like she sees through the eyes of the cat. She does seem to see through the eyes of the cat. Control of the yeah. beast is, of course, a popular yeah. vampire trait. So I assume yeah, she's got is. a little bit of that in her. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, because she sees... Uh, Hussein inject Ati with the the heroin through the cat, and then comes yeah. in and kills him. Uh, yeah. So that that does seem to be another, and that's actually one that it doesn't get used a lot, though it is something that Dracula in the novel Dracula is like. You know, he actually says it in Bram Stoker's Dracula, what, what beautiful music they make or whatever, because yeah. he can like uh-huh. understand the creatures of the night. I think if you were gonna be a vampire playing by traditional vampire rules. I think the Middle East is kind of a mixed bag of results because if you're over there, you're a vampire, you're in Iran. Yeah. Okay. You get a little instant safety because not a lot of crosses hanging around. Yeah. All right. Good point. Not a lot yeah. of crucifixes. It's mm-hmm. kind of a good thing. Bad news garlic everywhere yeah just everywhere so much garlic so much oh. garlic all over that place you're probably Gosh. weak as fuck all the time this is making me hungry now <laughs> dude i had yes. yasin's falafel house for lunch yeah, so that's I've exactly got what i was thinking of mind. i was like i want some of that falafel oh um, my god so good yeah so yeah that would be tough and also during the summer like gosh you'd have just such a short period of time to hunt you know what, though? Maybe with you being a, a dead, cold-blooded person, maybe it's like being a lizard where you're like, I like it warm. <laughs> it's too cold in here. Maybe so he does get warm. He does say she's cold, so yeah. may, maybe that is part of it. Like, she's like, I'm freezing. I'll go to the desert. No way it'll <laughs> get cold out there. <laughs> but we never really know 
anything about her origin or her age or anything like that like it is all never gets into any of that history extremely vague in terms of that like the only real clue that we're given is the the cloak like uh cape that she wears that is traditional iranian garb is it the chador chadar what's it called chadar a chadar okay all right yeah like that apparently is something that is more worn by like yeah. let's say the the boomer generation. Mm-hmm. It's more of an old school piece of traditional clothing. Um so maybe that's an indicator of that character's garb, but then again, it's like we said, it's like you got dude in here that looks like he's straight out of Essie Hinton's The Outsiders <laughs> looking like a greaser and stuff. So it's like well maybe really, that's does decade of clothing matter. Well, maybe that's why she's attracted to him. Maybe she's from that decade. Ooh, he, I like that. He's sort of reflecting that. I uh, I think Could the be. use of the the chatter has to do maybe maybe an association with the cape of the superhero. Mm. Um, I did see an interview with uh, with the director there where she said just one day there was one on the set of something she was working on. She put it on and she was like, "Man, I feel like a stingray or a bat." Yeah, instantly just cool. putting this thing on because I mean, it's, it's a black cape it kind of looks yeah. like dracula it's got a hood mm-hmm. it's almost like batman yeah. yeah and think about when the last time you saw someone wearing a cape was it's not very common no it's an old old piece of garb that pretty old uh, school yeah so I, I think i think that's a good like transition choice like but also uh as i said uh, a reference to superheroes because I think she plays sort of a Batman type vigilante superhero character because she goes around uh, hurting the bad people, telling little kids they have to be good, uh, and and, and uh, being nice to uh, people who have it rough. So hmm. basically, she's she's like this superhero for Bad City, and or Santa Claus, ca- or Santa Claus. <laughs> I also like the the skateboard bit. I like that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it does give the uh, illusion of flying. In fact, by the way, that is uh, Anna Lily Amarpour, uh in some of the scenes skateboarding because she's been a skateboarder oh. her whole life. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, but the, That's it an does iconic give... part of this movie, though. Those scenes on the board, like yeah, you said, are it... really sick. And it does give you that illusion of that, you yeah. know. Like in Bram Stoker's Dracula, like... Uh, Gary Oldman just, just kind of glides. glides around. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It gives you that yeah. look, but like in a practical way. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that a lot. And it, I mean, then it serves a practical purpose in the story. And that's something I like wanted to po- point out about this movie is that the script is very solid. It's, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of extraneous anything. Everything's no, no really like, tight. Really, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, to say that, you know anybody watching this movie would say it it's not tight it it probably could be tightened up but the script itself the way the story is written very tight very well done each of the characters stand out each of the characters pretty quickly uh establish who they are i mean we hate saeed almost immediately it's just like just from the look of him you're just like oh this guy's an asshole and then he proves to be an asshole so like it's it's really well written the characters are really well done and then like as as we said like the way she chose to dress them and and like to use music in certain scenes like that all adds to it like she she definitely brought so much to an already strong script to to make this just much more than a a vampire story but still a really solid vampire story yeah i think so and kind of going off of uh what you're just saying there you know 
right after watching the movie, I, like a lot of people, I'm sure, you know, that reviewed this flick were like, well, it was kind of slow. Like the pacing was sure, yeah, pretty low key. It's a pretty slow mm-hmm. burn movie. But Not now that you mention it, no. But like now that you mention it, I think back on it and I'm like, there weren't really any scenes that didn't matter though. Right. They're just a, a lot little of them too were kind of longer. Yeah. yeah. Like they were all like a bit longer than probably they should have been. But every scene in the movie. Every beat of the flick serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's also these yep. characters can meet. So these characters can know this thing about each other. So this person can die. Like there is always right. a reason behind everything. So it's like, yeah, it is kind of slow. It could probably be tightened up a little bit in terms of the pacing, I think. But yeah. there's no wasted time in it no. at the same time. No, you know? not at all. Yeah. Especially I, I, when what looks this goddamn good. Fuck, this movie yeah. is gorgeous. Oh. Man, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that some of those shots, I understand somebody could be like, it's a little too long, but it's but just so it. beautiful. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you get why editing it, you don't want to take any of those frames out. Because, like, um, specifically, I'm photographs, thinking, yeah. Yeah, specifically, I'm thinking of the, uh, the sort of final shot, which is of the, um, of Arash and the girl and the cat in the cab of or in the the front seat of his car it goes it's a very long shot i i re-watching it i was like that cat is so magnetic in this shot i what know the hell that, i know it's like not the point at all of this shot but the cat is just like how is that cat so charming? <laughs> I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. That cat knows something. It does. It does. And that's why it was such a great choice to add, like, that. Because, like, apparently she didn't have the cat originally in the script, but, like, came across this cat and was just, like, enamored with it. So, like, they that's put what this I don't cat get, in. though. She says that that was not originally part of the script, but, like, how was it that. He was originally supposed to figure out that his dad had been killed by the girl. I, w- I wonder if maybe the little boy was supposed to tell him. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Or maybe he was supposed to get it, like maybe a piece of jewelry or something. Yeah, maybe she has like, his, like his ring or whatever, yeah. yeah. But then the cat, yeah, just the cat just does a good job of, of like connecting the tissue in a better way than any object would have done. Because it, it is, as I said, I mean, it could have been, you know, a bad cat actor. And it would have been like, why did they put that cat in there? But this cat is just, I get particularly meeting this cat and being like, this cat should be filmed. <laughs> that cat has charisma. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. Did you feel like the pacing of the movie was right? Or did you feel like it was a little bit long? I think it's, I like think I it's a little slow, a little okay. long. Um, it's it's what, an hour 40, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not too long of a movie, honestly. Could have uh, been an hour 30, I'll say. But it, yeah, it could have been cut. And I think specifically, like, this is one where it's real rare, but because I have ADD, I tend to watch the movie several times specifically because I know I'm going to miss stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a movie with subtitles it becomes specifically hard because like you can't look away like because you can't just like hear and be like yeah i get what's going on because i don't speak farsi uh and so especially because the stuff would be particularly long between anybody saying anything and then some shots would be really static i kept finding myself zoning out and like losing myself and not paying attention 
Mm, so like yeah i get it but that's a real specific like that, that's a quibble that's only for people with add otherwise i think yeah maybe things could be tightened up to just make it a tighter feeling movie but each of those shots is really gorgeous so i get i get why they kept a lot of that stuff but it maybe not necessary i get it man but i will tell you one thing man like part of what did always keep me engaged in the movie and bring my attention back was the use of soundtrack in this movie which is like man it's damn near like tarantino level like the use of soundtrack in this movie is really good because it's got that thing that tarantino movies have where it's not subtle at all no like the music will be loud as fuck in the scene and that's the point and that is where the attention is supposed to go and it's really easy to do that and for it to be obnoxious as shit see suicide squad (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh but when it's done right, when it's just like this weird offbeat, like I never would have chosen that music for this, but this is so cool. Yeah. It really adds so much to a flick. And I do think this movie does that extremely fucking well. And it does yeah. it without using like songs you know. Like there's well, not yeah. a damn, you know, White Stripes song in here. There's not a Rolling <laughs> Stones song in here. It's all stuff that you've probably never heard. But it is it is not overly unique Middle Eastern music. What she did is bring some stuff she grew up with and knew to uh, uh, an audience that, in a way that they could receive it. Like a lot of times, Middle Eastern music is used in in um, movies to indicate evil or to indicate yeah, very something bad is coming. And what mm-hmm. she was presenting us with is just like, no, 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 it's like music. Like, you know yeah. how music is? <laughs> it, they, <laughs> like that's that. what it is, yeah. But again, and, there's and that cultural sameness play. that I'm talking about, too, yeah. where it just shows you, it's like, yeah, even though you don't even know these songs, they're still going to, like, really grab you by the yeah. ears the same way it does uh-huh. whenever Tarantino uses Stuck in the Middle with You exactly. and Reservoir Dogs. Exactly. Even though you don't even know this song and it's from a different culture and you don't know mm-hmm. the lyrics, it can still have the same effect on you. Yeah, it's it, and the soundtrack is just like, I, I watched it the first time with headphones on. Sometimes it is like, um, like there's so much going on that you're just not hearing. It's like so deep. Like a couple of times, I really thought there was a large truck outside of my window. Like it, <laughs> it like it felt like the vibrations and stuff was just like so heavy. Wow. And I think I think some of that has to do with the fact that she has thirty percent hearing loss, and so hmm. like the the music isn't just music, but it's about the feel of the music as well so like the the specific use of like heavy bass music at times i found like had more of a an actual tactile element to it than just hearing like Hmm, so very interesting to me yeah i wouldn't have thought of that until i read that she had hearing loss and then i realized like oh she must have been like because like i know that that is a thing with a lot of people with hearing loss or uh, even people who were born deaf that like the vibrations of deep bass are still perceptible because yeah, you feel them. Yeah. You feel them. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder if that is intentional that the, the soundtrack has a lot of those sort of tactile moments. Yeah, it could be very well. It could be, man. Mm-hmm. One thing about this flick that I thought maybe could have used some amping up, especially in terms of like, you know, slow burn, really kind of quiet, uh, moody movies like this. Yeah. Sometimes if they have, 
bits of shocking gore and violence, it can come across as even more shocking and violent and really make you straighten up in your seat uh-huh. over long periods of time. I thought that I thought this movie was a little bit light on those elements. I think mm-hmm. that it could have gone a little bit harder with some of those moments, especially like, you know, in that extreme contrast black and white that this is, like seeing all that black blood spraying over walls and stuff like this. Like, mm. I think if it would have gone a little bit harder in the gore, I would have been very okay with that. I know that that's not the point of this movie. Like, it's a character study movie. It's not a horror movie. But I think that it could have served to add moments of extreme uh, uncomfortability mm. and uh, and stuff to this movie. Yeah, I think, I think like, the finger bite scene and the scene where she tells the little boy to be good... And then the scene where she bursts into Ati's apartment after Hussein uh, has injected her. I think those are the three, like, big, intense moments. And you're right, like, they're not... They're not heavy on any sort of gore. I I think the one big thing we get from those scenes is how powerful she is, but without, like... Without the reminder of all of our impending doom, <laughs> like that is that is what gore is, right? Like it's like a reminder, like we're all just made out of meat and stuff, and we don't get that in this. And that, yeah, that could have been stronger. Like when she bites off the finger, if there had been a a bit more blood, like there's just a little bit of blood around her mouth when she comes out, uh, and she's she's like leaving, and that. It seems like there'd be a lot more. I think so. Like, yeah. and I think that would have been okay. I think it would have been cool to show, yeah, that kind of extreme violence in this yeah. setting. And I mean, especially with her, she's so beautiful. Yeah, she's uh, really it pretty. would have been awesome to have that contrast of her doing extremely brutal, yeah. violent things and being fucking covered in blood and stuff. I would have been okay with that personally. But yeah, you know, again, th- I'm sure if we talked to the directors, you'd be like, yeah, that really wasn't what this is about, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, even at, at a base level, it could just be a budgetary concern. I could mean, not that, yeah. not that fake blood is expensive, but getting someone who knows what they're doing with it costs some money. So Yeah. Well, yeah. Plus, you're talking about action beats and stuff to film. Yeah, yeah. The bloodletting and stuff like that, too. So it could have racked up some budget pretty fast, I think. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, I'd say some of that is budgetary and some of it is also just like, yeah, as you said, this is much more of a character study than about blood. And also, uh, again, from its two major influences, Nosferatu and Westerns, those aren't bloody movies. Like people get shot in Westerns. They just grab their side and fall over, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. You know, on the subject of blood, that's something I was going to ask you about, too, because as I was watching this the other night, I did happen to notice a little bit of a pattern uh, that ran through most of her victims in this. There's one that's, that's a little bit ambiguous, but oh, okay. mm-hmm. did you notice how she, she tends to drink the blood of people who have just done drugs? Oh. Like the pimp at the first of the movie has just done like all did, of the cocaine, yeah, the coke, all yeah. that blow. She kills did. him, drinks his blood. H- Hussein at the end, uh, is it Hussein? Yeah. Hussein, uh, yeah. Uh, like he had yeah, just done all that just heroin. Done all that heroin. Like, does she get high off of is, killing oh, people that have done drugs? Is this okay, a, is so, this a dare movie? <laughs> I okay. So I saw a thread that she kills people who do shit to Ati, but we're both looking at 
the the homeless person she kills, right? Like that exactly. is the, why that's she kill the, that guy? Why does she kill that guy? And if was he doing drugs? We, yeah, that if we consider was she was he doing drugs and that's what is sort of her interest. That's her addiction, right? It's that's like, her addiction. These yeah. guys are addicted to drugs. She's addicted to drug blood. And like she is tempted to bite Arash after he takes the X. Oh yeah. Oh but yeah, she then that's right. Doesn't bite him. So yeah, maybe that is it. And maybe huh. that is actually why they kind of have a perfect let the right one in sort of relationship there at the end because he can be the drug dealer and then she can feed off of the There we the go, users. yeah. Huh. That I does really kind of come full circle, doesn't it? That. Yeah. yeah, I think that might be it. I mean, I think she is specifically protecting Ati uh, when she attacks uh, Saeed and Hussein, but when she attacks the, the, the homeless guy, that has... I mean, I think she she does that right after not biting Arash, but I think you're right that she goes after people who are on drugs. So there's some sort of addiction there. Yeah, which kind of makes this movie about addiction in a lot which of ways, is, which yeah, is something I mean, that's explored in vampire movies sometimes. Uh, uh, specifically in uh, uh, another vampire western, Near Dark. Exactly right. That's exactly yeah. where I was going with it. <laughs> another like that vampire movie, western directed by a woman. <laughs> It, wow yeah it is actually yeah. <laughs> interesting how that kind of spills over into this isn't yeah it? yeah because that movie is all about vampires but it's like well it could just be about heroin addicts too yeah and that uh near dark i i can see where you would get the idea for bad city from near dark because <laughs> they go in that bar and slaughter those people and it's basically just like okay and next day <laughs> and throw them out in the dead pit just like yeah. you did in bad city the dead pit yeah bad that, city that, has a dead pit they have a dead pit and that's something i i want uh everybody like just realize this is not some sort of depiction of iran they don't have dead pits it's supposed to illustrate to us how bad bad city is that they have so many drug overdoses and violent deaths that they just throw them in a pit that is not something common in Iran. <laughs> I'll tell uh, you what, though. Do you think that Jeffrey Dahmer would have as much fun in a dead pit as we did in a ball pit as children at McDonald's? <laughs> I'm just saying. Imagine a Dahmer just filled with glee, just swimming up and in and out of those he bodies. Goes out and throws an eyeball at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> then he ducks back under the the swell of bodies. Now you got to come find me. You're it. Hee hee hee. I'm Dahmer. <laughs> Mommy, do you have my sippy cup of vodka? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's the all the fun times at the play cup full. <laughs> at the play pit at McDommers. <laughs> the McRib really takes on a different meaning it at McDommers. It really does. <laughs> McDonald's, dude. Why have we never fucking figured this know. out? This that is a trademark amazing. dead and lovely moment yes. right here. McDommers. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> the guy taking your order is a sex zombie. Yeah, obviously. Can I take your order and suck your cock? But of course, their ice cream machine would always be down. Always. Every time you want it. This is the best idea ever. It really is. <laughs> so yeah bad city is just a place that 
is just kind of terrible, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, they have yeah. a pit of bodies because I, I guess it's just such a violent place. And that's yeah. one of those things that like is just shown to us, never even remotely explained. No, Nobody no. in town is like, so do you think this dead pit thing is weird? It's just kind <laughs> of... It just is Something what it is. Something they're used to, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it's strange. I, But, you know, I mean, there... The other way of setting up it's a bad city would be like a B story with other terrible events and and just showing like maybe a shootout or something and all of that's going to cost extra money. But just a big pit full of dead people outside of town, it's like, okay, shit's bad here, gotcha. (laughs) And you're right. Killing people and acquiring bodies is free. It doesn't cost a dime to murder somebody. Uh, Well, you gotta pay for whatever it is you, unless you use your hands. Dude, you're telling me you can't, hands, you can't walk outside and find a big rock or a brick? True. You Go know totally Kane style. Use the environment if you're out there murdering. I'm telling you, man, Kane was the original innovator. He just used what he had available. He's like, there's a big old rock. I can kill somebody with that, I guess. Let me tell you this. Ain't got a register of rock, do you? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Ain't no nosy guy behind the counter remembers you buying a rock. Mm-mm, not at all. <laughs> we are probably helping out a serial killer right now. Don't yeah. listen to us, serial yeah, killer. Yeah, don't. You'll get caught. Ah, you probably won't. God damn it. Damn it all. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but yeah, just big old pit of bodies. Pretty uh, yeah. cheap special effect, and it does inform you about this city a little bit. So it does, also yeah. it's effective. It's effective, yeah. But as you, as you said, it's not clear. It's not, I like, especially... Especially when you're introducing uh, uh, another culture, Americans are kind of dumb. Yeah. In general, the English-speaking world is kind of dumb. We don't know a lot about other cultures, so a lot. I would say a lot of people watched it and was like, wow, that's probably how it is in Iran, I reckon. <laughs> probably just throw dead people outside your city. <laughs> probably right. Probably right, yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's a bad city. It's an interesting flick. Like this is one of those ones where if you watch it and you don't like it or you were bored by it, I totally get it. Like this isn't one of those movies where I'm like, if you don't like this movie, fuck you. <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah. really one of those flicks. Yeah, there's not I'll a lot. Get, of, there's a lot of people that aren't gonna like it. it. Yeah, and I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like even if you don't like it, I feel like you will walk away from this movie going, well, I've never seen anything like that before. Right. It's a really unique movie. I mean, not only, not only just for the setting, like it's not just unique because, oh my gosh, there's no white people in this. That's not <laughs> what makes it unique. Like the story itself is unique. Also the setting enhances that. Yeah. Um, so I think everybody should be able to give it a little bit of credit, at least for that, even if you do find the movie slow. It, it is a slow going flick. Yeah. It's beautiful. You're going to be looking mm-hmm. at pretty things the whole time and observing interesting characters, mainly not talking, sometimes talking. Maybe they're not talking, though. Maybe that's fine. Maybe you're listening to some cool jams. Maybe that's what you need in your <laughs> life. It's a unique flick, man. Do you it have any, any other final thoughts, observations about this thing? Um, You know, I, I think we've kind of, I mean, picked over we've it. sucked it's, it dry. Yeah, we've sucked it dry. It's... There, I mean, there's a lot to it, but it's also very simple. It's, um, it's you know, a complex moral world, but the story is simple, and we root for 
the protagonists. It's not hard to find the girl kind of adorable dancing by herself, skateboarding by herself. Like she she's cute. And then she's this cute guy who total honk. Yeah, he's got... just full of hot people. Yeah, Good it's Lord. true. <laughs> it's a, a very attractive cast. Um, but Arash is, you know, we see him and we see like, you know, he's in a bad situation, making the best of it. I, I actually noticed something that I've never noticed before. I think that him punching the wall and getting the cast is a really smart, like little move to keep us kind of sympathetic for him when he starts selling drugs. I think a mm. cast makes you automatically sympathetic. You're like, oh, I what mean, happened? It can, but sometimes when you see people wearing a neck brace in public, you're, like, oh, you're faking it. You oh, always, that guy. They never really have a neck problem. They're always faking it. <laughs> it's so it can work. Fake. A cast is way more sympathetic, though, than a neck brace. It's yeah. true. But yeah, I, I think, um, I think, yeah, we're brought in very well to the protagonists and stuff, and everybody else is just a, such a well-drawn character that, it's just a real simple story that is very unique, creative take, very beautifully shot, uh, well acted, uh, well written. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of complaints about it. It's a solid and interesting take on the vampire genre. And I, I enjoy watching it, but it is a little long. It's got its issues. I think for me, this is... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm bouncing around between like a like an eight and a seven and a half. I'm gonna go for the higher eight. Like an eight. It's a very okay. solid, well done movie that I don't have the real problems with. But I, I, I do get that others may. I get it, man. I get it. And I just do appreciate that you know, here we are, well, you know, when this came out anyway, which is just a few years ago, but like here we are on this side of the fucking millennium and we're still like Oh, actually, that's a new setting a vampire hasn't been in yet. Like, uh -huh. vampire movies are kind of the original stuff of the horror monster movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, go back to Nosferatu and shit yeah. like that. Like, we've had vampire movies as long as we've had movies, y'all. Yeah. And the fact that somebody was able to come around and be like, I don't know, here's something you've not seen with a vampire before. Yeah. Fuck. That's awesome. I can't that really is. think of anything off the top of my head. I'm like, oh, a vampire that's a, a, a rock star. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Seen it. Like, that's been done. Like, I can't it really has. think of many times this hasn't happened. It makes me interested to, to think, too, about, like, what other context have we not seen mm. vampires in and how cool that could be, you know? Yeah. So this is one of those movies that is not only cool for being unique, but it's also cool because it makes you realize that ideas that have been around this long still have untapped potential. Like, there's still more blood to squeeze from that stone. Mm. And so vampires cool. love blood. So they if they do. can get it from stones, they'll get it. Mm -hmm. They're gonna get that blood. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I think it's cool. I do think that, like I said, some of the shots and scenes linger a bit long. They're always there for a reason, but they overstay a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. And I do think I would like to see some more juice. I think a little bit more brutality um, is part of what makes, like, let's say, Let the Right One In, which I think this movie shares some uh -huh. similarities to. Sure. Um, makes that movie so effective is because, yeah, you know, you have the, the, the central character vampire in that movie who is sweet and lonely and innocent and you can't help but care about him. And then they do heinous, brutal mm -hmm. stuff. And it reminds you of like, oh, yeah. 
this character is a vampire. This character is a monster. Right. Um, and I think that's part of what makes that so good and so relatable in a lot of ways. You know, the girl in this isn't necessarily all that relatable. Like, we don't really get mm. a ton about her character, so... I think it, it keeps it interesting and ambiguous, but it also makes it a little bit hard to root for that character and relate to that character sometimes. Mm-hmm. But still, like I said, at the end of the day, it's a gorgeous movie, and I've never seen anything like it. Soundtrack is boss. I think like seven and a half from me is Solid. where I would put this as well. Yeah. yeah, it's not one of those ones that I'm always going to be in the mood to see because it is, as like you what said... what we do in the shadows or something. That's Yeah, always, like, I'll watch that anytime, on, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Um but, you know, this is one of those movies where if I was in the mood to watch something a little bit more quiet and contemplative and mm-hmm. something where, you know, I don't mind keeping my eyes glued to the screen so I can read all the dialogue and stuff right. like that, then it's definitely a unique one for sure. So, yeah, I'm going to say seven and a half. Hell yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing what you guys think about this one over on the Facebook page and the Instagram page and all the other places y'all can find That's us. That's right. Yeah, over on uh, on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Dead Lovely Pod. Uh, we're on the Facebook at facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. We're on Discord. I'll post that link every Friday. Uh, we have a Friday night streaming chat in which yep, we right. watch. Uh, uh, sorry, screaming chat. That's in right. There you go. We watch a horror movie and discuss it over Discord. Um, it's fun. We usually watch pretty bad movies and we usually get pretty drunk. So come on over next Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Show up. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's a good time. And if you had a good time listening to this episode, you can help us out for free by going on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing. I didn't get nearly enough reviews during the month of October. Come on. Where them reviews at? Get on there. Drop it when it just takes a second. And it really does help us out a lot. If you want to help us out with dollar papers, you can do that yeah. too. Yeah, you can go to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. If you become a $1 patron you or higher, you get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes. If you become a $5 patron, you get to submit a movie to be randomly drawn perhaps from the smoking <gasps> bowl Ooh. over here. And then we will review that movie. Speaking of, Ben, what next week we're <gasps> going to be covering a Patreon pick. You don't say when you drew out of the smoking bowl yourself? Pulled right out of there. Just yoink. Right from the depths. Oh, my God. What movie is it, Steve? Why, of course, it's Pan's Labyrinth, submitted by Laura Latour. Oh, my Lord. That person chose that movie? Uh-huh. I know. It's a shock or not. Wow, it either sounds exactly what, like what I would expect out of that person or a total surprise because I have or maybe I haven't seen it and I loved it or hated it. Yes. You'll oh, have no. to find out next week, I guess. <laughs> so be sure to tune in next week where we'll be covering that Patreon pick. And again, supporters on Patreon, get your movie thrown into the smoking bowl. Maybe it'll be yours next month. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we'll also have some new Patreon-only content coming out here really soon for you guys. We're going to be probably talking about that here in just a second, Steve, after we finish this episode up. Yes, sir. Uh (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Dead Unlovely. You guys are fantastic. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we've been Dead and Lovely. We'll catch you guys on the flippy side. 
Bye. Bye. So Ben, I was thinking the other day. Mm-hmm. You know the uh you know the boyfriend pillow you can get? It's got a little like yeah, yeah. arm you can wrap around yourself. Yeah, yeah. It kinda keeps you cozy in the nighttime when you yeah, might feel yeah. maybe just a little lonesome. I think a lot uh-huh. of people need that these days. I get it. Do you think the original inventor of that may have been one Jeffrey Dahmer? Who was attempting to make a sex slave? But maybe I mean, had some other experiments along the way, like, what if I just cut off the torso and cuddle with it? <laughs> I think you might be onto something right there. I think he very well could have been the inspiration for the body pillow. <laughs> he took it a little bit more literally, like, in terms of the seesaw that leans from body and the other side is pillow, his seesaw <laughs> was definitely flipped more towards body. He's closer body. to body, but he was using it as a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you think that my pillow guy, who used to be a cocaine addict, as far as I, I believe I heard, you think maybe he, back in the 80s, stumbled into Jeffrey Dahmer's house and was like, oh, yeah? what the fuck is going on here? And Dahmer <laughs> was just cuddling crazy. up and he was like, it's my pillow. And the guy was like, oh, I got an idea. I'll end up in the White House somehow. <laughs> Dude, I would have loved if it was actually this completely bizarre full circle scenario where it went from Jeffrey Dahmer made the first pillow body. He saw it and was inspired by it and was like, I think it'd be softer if I made it out of a pillow. So then it became a <laughs> body pillow. <laughs> like It's this bizarre. It just keeps looping around and around and around. I think that's how it goes. Hi, I'm Mike Lindell, and here's a human torso to lay your head on. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work, so he decided, well, let's try a pillow. <laughs> it seems like more people get behind that, I think. It seems like a little easier sell. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you you drove it that way, because I was like literally going to bring up the my pillow guy. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Perfect. I mean, obviously, that guy's definitely on something. Oh, he's definitely creepy as shit, too. <sighs> big Trump supporter. Yeah, he is big really Trump Have supporter. You, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen many of those commercials, because Emily and I used to watch the game show network and they would come on a lot. And Mm. he always wears this big ass cross on the outside of his shirt and tie. And that's just like the sleaziest thing. (laughs) It's just like, Oh, that guy's a piece of shit. Or he's really scared of vampires. (laughs) Might be that. Maybe Mike Lindell's a secret monster hunter. That's how he came across (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole origin story right there.